Hey everyone, welcome back to the Where Others Won't podcast. This episode is part of my birthday special, which is a mini season of seven new interviews that I'm releasing on May 25th. But before we dive in, I've got a couple of great deals to tell you about from people that I've interviewed on the show before. I know a lot of us are spending time reflecting on what matters, and many of you have told me that you're planning on making some big changes in your life. If you're feeling stuck and looking for a push to help you find what's next or just someone to help crystallize the path you're already on, I recommend you listen to my interview with Laura Gassner-Otting and then go and sign up for her brand new Limitless course. LGO just has such a refreshing, no BS perspective on the world and she's been through the ringer, so she's the perfect person to coach you through the changes you want to make in your life. So go to heylgo.com forward slash where others won't. So that's hey, like hey, as in g'day, lgo.com forward slash where others won't and check out the Limitless course. Or if you live in the United States and you just want some kick-ass coffee delivered to your house, head to bluestonelane.com and use wow25 at checkout. Bluestone have been great supporters of mine. And let's be honest, coaches love coffee. Now, enjoy the show. Marty, it's about time we hit record on one of these conversations, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is great. This is about, I don't know, the 40th one and we've finally decided to record it. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a lot going on. So, um, yeah, it's good, man. I'm almost, uh, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm in a, back in Canada. So it's like, I can almost feel the air up there talking to you. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I got my Tim Hortons this morning. So you can just see and reminisce. That's right. yeah. <laughs> feels good. I know. I, I feel like I'm there. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't want to be here right now. It's it's dire outside. There's a mini apocalypse coming uh, weather-wise. But um, yeah, man. I, you know, we've had so many fascinating, fascinating conversations, and we we text regularly, and, and just like exchange ideas. And I was really keen to to get you on the show. Uh, give people a little glimpse into your world. I find it fascinating uh, and I'm sure people will as well, but let's start here. Uh, I want to give you guys some props at the Falcons. You know, there was a, a recent study and you guys uh, you know, had the least total injured players between about 2014 and 2017, I think. Um, and that's your role, man. Like you're the person tasked with overseeing how that all comes together. So if you wouldn't mind just, I'm more interested in how that works from a dynamics perspective. Like what has to happen at all the different parts of your organization to make something like that happen? Well, I, first of all, thank you. I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's very multifactorial. There's so many people that are involved and it really, I think, you know, it starts at, uh, at the ground up in regards to, um, you know, having a good common language is important. Uh, assessing risk is important. I think we have very good doctors that do that. And I think we're very thorough in our assessments. So, uh, 
whether you're starting at uh, the NFL Combine and uh, you're assessing injuries there and potential risk for the general manager and the scouts to understand um, what availability the player may have in the near future to free agents that are coming up uh, to uh, once a player is on board, what it looks like. So just uh, having a clear language, not only of saying, hey, here's the injury history, but hey, this is what it looks like today and this is what it could like, look like tomorrow in terms of practice, in terms of availability. We keep it down to that. You know, he may not be able to practice one day or two or he's going to be limited in his practice reps. And so we try to, uh, you know, dig a little bit deeper in the, in the crystal ball, if you may. And none of us always have the, you know, perfect answer, but at least if we're talking the same language, it's very helpful for uh, – uh, for the coaches and the scouts to understand that. So once they get here, I think we're able to then, you know, with the strength staff and, and us, the AP staff, is just to manage the guys and, and make them, uh, you know, feel better and understand where, where the, some of their limitations are and how we can help them uh, through that. So it's it's a process that start from the get-go and all the way up till when they're here with us uh, from the ages of like 21, 21. 22 and all the way if you sign a free agent in his 30s you know yeah uh, understanding the guy and, and uh, it starts with a good physical assessment risk and, and uh, after that you know it's uh, it's just a, having a good language I think that that's the important thing when you have uh, people to talk to and report to it's just keep it simple keep it in terms they understand uh, and talk keep it in football terms you know don't shift it too much to performance or medical terms keep it in football Right. And, uh, you know, because availability is probably, you know, the biggest quality a player can have. So uh, we keep we try to stake to, to that as our principle. Yeah. And I mean, it, it goes without saying it's, it's such a key element of pro sports. Now you're basically looking at teams that win titles, have their players available. It's as simple as that, especially in, in, you know, capped sports, you know, my sport like Aussie rules, that's, it's well known all the equalization measures are put in place. So everyone's got roughly the same talent as much as kind of fans don't necessarily think that, but for the most part, they're roughly the same, but it's about getting them on the field. And obviously coaching comes into that, but getting them on the field is the, is the first part, right? Yeah, that's right. Talk to me about what that language is. Like, uh, let's, uh, I just want to go into that. Cause I talk about common languages and developing like, patterns and phrases and and like a little your own little dictionary of of things to say within an organization and it sounds like you guys have already done that so what does that look like for you well i you know um when coach quinn came on board uh or five years ago that that's the that's the process that for him to you know when we try to answer questions and that's our role um is really like what is to listen to him and listen to what's important to him. And, you know, football coaches really is about what we found that language was about, you know, practice, practice plays, practice reps. And it went into that because it's hard sometimes when you're trying to educate a coach on either uh, a workload or capacities or some of those things, you know, it's not, they're not necessarily concepts that it's like, oh yeah, I get that. You know, you really have to, bring it to a level where they say, well, oh, you mean so he can, today's eight plays, you know? So it sounds very simple, but that's where we kind of, the nuances came down to just football. 
practice plays, plays in a game. Let's keep it at plays. And then uh, my staff and I can look at the other stuff. But for, for the coaches, for the head coach to talk to the offensive coordinator, for the coordinator to talk to the position coach, let's keep it at just the amount of plays and practice and in a game. So now everybody tracks the same thing. Um, and when we're able to, you know, do our adjustments on our side, yet the player is able to participate in practice uh, to get ready for the game. So it was easier for us to get through that than try to, you know, well, keep it under this workload or that workload, do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th I thought the language, and it was just talking to him uh, once he got here, just to, okay, how to find that uh, that common thread for him to go, okay, I'm in, I get it, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so it was just about us listening and what was important to him and practice plays, game plays. Obviously, that's what, you know, uh, again, went down to availability for practice so they know where to line up, and understand the players' situation. So we brought it down to that and everything else uh, went from there, you know. Yeah. So it, it really, for us, was the uh, kind of the breaking point, it really helped us push through and then made conversation so much easier simple language plain language yes there's there's, there's so much there I, we spend no time on it obviously you guys do and a few others that i know do but i think it really gets overlooked in this whole organizational development thing and the cultural thing and i think i think we need to go there and, and any coaches listening to this i think like start there what how how can people communicate with you um, yep. you know, you're talking in a hyper complex environment where you guys have got analytics and you've got doctors and you've got cardiologists and you've got trainers and you've got coaches and you've got media and you've got a GM and you've got business people and all that. They all need to speak the same language, but unless someone identifies what that language is, how does, <laughs> how does anyone know? And I, I see that problem coming up time and time again. And you see it, you know, it certainly happened in, in your world and in, uh, in athletic training and it was, you know, the trainers were trying to speak to the coaches in their terms and the coaches were trying to speak back in their own terms. And now the right. analytics, the analytics guys are in that realm now where they're trying to use kind of nerdy analytics terms and the coach is like, what the hell are you talking about? And so that, yeah, simplify, simplify, simplify. What are you talking about? And, and the game is a great place to start a game or training. Simple as that. Start there. And that's usually, you know, our, our conversations are obviously year long, but, we play Sunday. That first conversation is, starts Sunday night, and then, you know, Monday morning we usually meet everybody together. Mm. So it makes it, you know, for us. Then when I bring the uh, medical report and, and and some of the performance markers, it's it's everybody's in the room. So, and what I mean, everybody, it's like the the big stakeholder, whether it's uh, Coach Quinn or Thomas, Mr. Blank, Rich, our president. So it's like everybody understands the the the, the map for the week. And everybody is also able to then um, help the player if he's out for a week or if he's got an injury or if, he's, if there's a performance uh, thing. So they're also there to not only hear, listen, but also then support not only us as a staff, but the player. So when they see the player in the cafeteria, when they see the player down here with it, you know, they see him on the field and say, hey, you know, they're able to engage in a conversation that's meaningful. And uh, the player now knows that, okay, uh, I'm supported. And I think that's important, you know, instead of having three, four or five different conversations, it's helpful here because we have them uh, 
as much as we can as a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you raise a good point there. You, you know, Mr. Blank, Thomas, Coach Quinn, even Matt Ryan, like you guys have had such stability, which is a blessing in the NFL um, to have people in those roles for so long. So talk to me about that, how that cohesion and just knowledge of each other helps with your culture because you've got a very defined culture. You're known as a cultural organization, but you've also got stability. So there's not new people coming in trying to change that culture. How does that help? Well, uh, it helps because I think you know the uh, style of everybody. You know how to communicate to everybody. Um, there's no, uh, there's not a nervousness to bring uh, information or to exchange ideas. It's really an open forum, and we're able to talk to one another to be able to uh, understand the issue. And usually, good questions are asked, and uh, we try to provide answers, and we try to provide a, you know. A pathway to make sure that uh, we're understood, they're understood, and then we can, uh, you know, better help the player. And I think we're, I think we're very focused on knowing that the player is at the center of our discussions all the time. I don't think any of us put each other in the center, and I think that's important when you talk about, you know, a team. You know, the player should be in the middle because you're all around trying to support him. So I think we do that well here. I think. Uh, uh, you know, Thomas likes to, you know, gives us a lot of, uh, of leeway in the way we do things. It's very supportive. Miss Blank's the same thing. Uh, likes to know, likes to, 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 to be involved so he can relate to players. Uh, Coach Quinn obviously sees uh, guys every day and uh, likes to, you know, engage with them and connect with them. So it's important to, you know, I think that's what we do well. We keep the player uh, in the middle of our discussions. I wrote about Mr. Blank in, in my book. Um, I, I talked about that process of like him handing over Home Depot to new leadership and kind of what happened when the foundational ideas behind the, the business, um, you know, were, were given to someone else to, to hold the reins. Uh, I just found that a really fascinating story in general. But to your point is the whole idea behind Home Depot was putting the customer at the center of, of what they were trying to do and, and at the time was particularly revolutionary. But what have you learned from him in terms of leadership and, and dealing with people? Cause he's a, you know, he's, he's an icon. I think um, what I've learned in, in this, the, my 11th year here, what I've learned is that he will ask very good questions. Uh, there's some people that I like to ask questions just to fill time and air. And, but he is—he's uh, not that. He's precise. He's inquisitive, uh, smart, and he will also—and he will listen attentively. And that's a lost art. And but he does that well. And at the end, there's a good exchange of ideas. And in the end, uh, he's listened. He's heard you. And then he will—he will say, "Hey, I, I trust you'll make the right decision." You know, he'll put it back in your hand. But he's—he's he's very good at listening. Very good at asking questions. And for him, it's important, you know, I think his, one of his main things is always to include everybody, you know, mm-hmm. include everyone. Let's make sure we're all together on this. So he, he lives that and uh, that's important and you got to listen. Those are a big thing. Include everybody, listen and respond. So he's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's a lost art, you know, listening because uh, yeah, we're so busy thinking about our response, we don't necessarily stop to really pay attention and listen 
Um, but he does that really well. So I think it's, uh, it's, that, that's what I've learned from him, you know, include everybody, uh, uh, listen and, and try to respond appropriately. That's why I, I wanted to include that little story because uh, I found it fascinating, you know, looking at the intersection of, of sports and business and what the lessons are and just to have someone like him where, you know, to, to build, you know, a, a very visible business and then yeah. move a lot of those same philosophies over to an NFL franchise, to an MLS franchise, to all the different other businesses and, and just see how it, it's repeatable at the human level over and over and over again. It doesn't matter the domain. Uh, and so that's why I was so keen to include something about him and, and his style and what I've read about him because to your point is that's what is repeatable is the human level, the, the conversations, the listening, yes. the, just being, being human beings and the, the, the domain that you're in, sports or business or medicine or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but we've skipped over. We haven't even talked about your, your history. Tell us, <laughs> where, uh, which is deliberate, by the way. We, um, we're, it's called Where Others Won't. So we, we just start with the home runs and then we backtrack yeah. from there. There you go. Okay. Tell, tell us where you're from and, and your history to, to this point. I know it, but the audience doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm from uh, Belle, uh, Quebec. Uh, Belle is a small town about uh, 20 minutes uh, on the south shore of Montreal. And I'm a French Canadian, a proud French Canadian. And uh, I went to the uh, University of Ottawa uh, up in Canada in a physical therapy school. And uh, was fortunate to, uh, after physical therapy school, to be recruited uh, to work in private practice in Los Angeles. And uh, also was able to uh, helped out on a part-time basis at, uh, at uh, USC, uh, working in the training room with the uh, uh, Trojans football team, Division I football. Um, and from there, was able to go full-time to UCLA for a few years and uh, as the director of uh, sports rehab there uh, with a big emphasis in football. And uh, when the Cleveland Browns came back in the NFL in 1999, they were looking for a, a physical therapist, athletic trainer, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get uh, that position and stayed there for 10 years and then uh, came here uh, over the last 10, 11 years to, to, to pursue my career and to, to, uh, to have a new challenge. So it was, uh, it's been interesting for sure. Uh, it's been a lot of fun traveling and hitting different parts, you know, from Montreal to L.A. to, uh, you know, Cleveland, now Atlanta. So just kind of doing the whole continent a little bit. You know, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very fortunate uh, that uh, that my career has gone this way. And you will gloss over this because you're you're a humble guy. But uh, one of the first things we talked about when we met was you being French Canadian and having to learn everything in English. <laughs> and and like that is uh, as someone who speaks one language, it's hard yeah. enough. It's hard enough in English, but you've managed to, and especially medical terms, and and uh, so you deserve some some props for that man because that's a that's huge. And anyone that couldn't pick up, you would have you would have heard Marty really put on his French Canadian accent when he was starting out there. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> so you can you can switch you can switch on the spot between uh, American English and, and French Canadian English. <laughs> Mais oui, on peut parler français. Euh, euh. <laughs> 
suite. Et puis, uh, non, I think it's, um, it, it, it took time for sure. Um, you know, the University of Ottawa was bilingual and being close to Montreal, being a big bilingual city helps. Uh, what was hard was, you know, uh, getting rid of the, like the thick uh, accent, but LA was very forgiving, man. I love the, I love California and people were so nice, so relaxed uh, that I could really speak a little slower and try to focus on, uh, not that I was really, I was really, I wanted people to focus on what I was saying and not the way I was saying it. So yeah. for me, it was like, okay, let me really try to focus. And I spent five years in LA and I think that was, you know, the people there were so nice and uh, they really, they, they give the, they didn't give me too much of a hard time, but uh, now you can still see it uh, and hear it uh, come out when things get tense. I think the coach is like that upstairs. When I start really like, they see the French Canadian side in me, you know, so, it never leaves you. Hey, man, are you talking to an Australian in North America? No one <laughs> listens to what I'm saying. They just they want something to come out of my mouth. So I know, where, I know what you're talking about. Uh, let's talk about something in there. So, you know, building trust is, is kind of part of that and trust with players, especially, I mean, that's your world is you've got to have trust or you've got nothing, right? Um, and so talk to me about that, like building trust with, with modern athletes. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, 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 um, it's challenging. It's hard, but it's, it's uh, how you build it is um, every day. And every day you have to listen, you have to understand. And that's the hardest thing to do. You may have to, you know, you have to educate and repeat the information and, uh, be willing to meet them also, you know, a little bit more on their turf, you know, uh, understand, you know, their motivation, who they're working for, uh, how they fit in the team, you know, and be a little human about it. You know, it was, uh, and that's harder than listening to an MRI report, looking at an MRI, you know, it's, uh, it's not an image that comes through. And, and one of the best lines I heard, and that was a while ago, and that really started changing my shift as we learn every year in our career but I, I was with uh, one of my team doctors and we're uh, going through an MRI with a player and you know the, there was a lot of good news there there's there minimal you know structural damage and similar it was very it was good and encouraging MRI basically to repeat but the player told me you know the MRI didn't tell you how I feel and I thought that was like wow okay you know, there's a lot of good news here, um, but I think you need to, uh, that kind of shifted. Okay, that, there's good news, and then tell me your limitations now. Let's tell me more, and it kind of dives you into a little bit more like, yeah, maybe I have to uh, listen, and the doc has to listen more. And, and sometimes uh, just spending a little bit more time with the player, you know, makes them feel better. And it's not a huge concept, right? Imagine you right. when you go to a doctor or you go to a dentist, or you go to some, like, you want them to listen to you. <laughs> and sometimes we'll walk out of the office and go, man, that guy didn't spend any time with me. Yeah, he just breezed through. <laughs> you know? So, but we forget that because now we become the practitioner and we're talking to the player and we're trying to explain. But sometimes, you know, we can't, you can't get too caught up in the explanation. You have to listen, take it in, and really make sure that the player is hurt. Mm. So, it's the same analogy as when you go to a professional uh, office, you know, you want to be heard. 
Uh, and I think sometimes we forget that because we're, you know, we're trying to educate and we're trying, but uh, listening is important. I think that's how you build it. You got to listen, but you got to do it every day. It's not just once a month. And, um, and uh, that, that's, that's, it's, that is uh, definitely the most uh, challenging because everybody's got their own motivation and everybody's got their own thing going on in their personal lives. And there's things here and there's things at, at their home. And, you know, you're just, at the end, you're just trying to help. And, and they have to feel that, you know, you're here to help you know, and I always tell them, Hey, we're, we're just guys, people helping people, you know, guys helping people. And it's, uh, and the guys at the end, they're like, yeah, you did. It. You know, you came to my surgery, you know, we went across the country, you wheeled me around, like you're there for me. And, um, so it's important. You're there for their, uh, their kids if they need some or the wise, and you know, you're just trying to help them. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, I got a call in the summertime from, a. uh, Someone had just got a job in, in the NBA and and uh, he sought me out and we went and had lunch and and he said in all the in all the interviews that you've done and everyone you've spoken to and your you know your philosophy is like what stands out if there was one thing for organisations that get ahead that create competitive advantage what would it be and I said if I had to boil it down to one thing it's that they care more yeah. And I hate boiling things down to one thing because I'm also a massive context guy. There's always context. But I th- honestly, I think they care more. And you can take that a bunch of different ways, but you can care more about the process that you're building. You can care more about your culture. You can care more about your players. But I honestly think that's the one thing. Yep. And to your point, that, that certainly in, in the modern world is listening. Because, yep. geez, we don't need more opinions. Like there's, there's 8 billion of them. And if you spend any time on Twitter, you get frustrated by them pretty quickly, but, but listening and, and caring more and, and uh, yeah, finding ways to, to care and, and love an individual regardless. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, we're all in the middle of watching the last dance and, and, and so everyone's talking about the bulls and it's a great one because everyone kind of has their own perspectives, but knows it. And, what stood out to me is all the fluff that we put around all our ideas about leadership. And then we go and watch Dennis Rodman, you know, fly in from a bender and go and play a game. And Phil, Phil Jackson still loves him. Right. And he's like, I just think that's so telling for us that, you know, we've got like, I oh, get rid of, get rid of troublesome players and, you know, ragamuffins don't let them have, you know, their own, identities and things like that. And then as soon as Dennis Rodman gets on screen, we're like, Oh, we love Dennis. (laughs) But that's true. So I love them anyway. Yeah, of course they, they're like us. Everybody's got their own personalities and we've all been through that age and we've, we've, you know, it's important that guys have their own voice as long as they're working for the collective, uh, good, you know, and then that's, that's the game itself. And, um, I think that's, part of understanding, you know, part of uh, reaching out to guys, part of the connecting, understand what they need, what they don't need and, and try to reach out, you know, in, in the appropriate way. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard to listen. It's hard to have patience. It's hard to, we want everybody to be just like us because that's a lot easier to handle, but that's not, that's not reality. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's just, you have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we struggle because we come from such a 
a quantifiable world and a quantifiable uh, methodology for everything, right? right. Like we're, we're talking about, we log hours and productivity and like our whole world is based around this economic model of like output. And so the default stance becomes to, to, to drive like what, what can we measure? What can we, you know, how do I, whereas you can't measure sitting down in the locker room next to a player and putting your arm around them and right. just talking to them for five minutes. It shows up nowhere, but I guarantee you, and I would wager my house on this, that is the most important thing that would happen that day. For that, for that player, no question. I, I, um, it's interesting because uh, you know, like many many teams around the world, we do a wellness questionnaire. But uh, I've had some guys come here on visits, and uh, and uh, they see that we do ours face to face. It's not you know, or we don't answer everything right away with the player. We engage in the conversation. We ask the questions, but we actually sit down with them when they're having breakfast or in the locker room or. And then we, we uh, just talk to them and then we enter the data a little bit later. So we're not like, uh, um, you know, in their face with it or they're not doing it themselves just to get done with it. Mm-hmm. And some of the, some of those guys are like, wow, that's interesting. You know, we, ha- we usually just have the guys pin in or we pin in for them and it's just a number. So I think that's, you know, the player likes to talk and, and if you're there asking the questions or follow-up questions it's not just about hey how many hours of sleep was it quality was this was it like well something happened their daughter was up all night or this happened or that and you can work on their environment a lot bit better if you have more questions to ask and it's been interesting to see people uh, tell me wow you know that's different <laughs> yeah. but that's how we that's for us that's we've never done it any other way so um but I think you get more out of listening and spend time with the player because now they know you're more engaged. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your just kind of ideas on like high performance and the state of high performance. You know, there's so many things that now fall under that umbrella. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so complex. It's, it's hard to kind of wade through everything. And we, we haven't even really scratched the surface on, on sports psych. So that's the next one that's, that's right. coming. Um, so where do you see it sitting? Just like a general commentary on what you see. Yeah, I think that's such a, uh, such a wide and interesting uh, and complex uh, term high performance, sports performance, um, yeah. because I think the first, I, I think the first thing coaches think or uh, general managers think it's what's the latest and greatest and what's, uh, there's so many modalities now, there's so many new vendors and there's so many people now going into injury predictability things. And it's like, it's, it's so wide and everybody's trying to quantify something that um, is hard to quantify. I mean, there's no absolute in contact sports. It, uh, so it's very hard to just like put it all in one uh, silo uh, where for, um, for us, I think, you know, connecting with the athletes still is the number one thing. So yeah, of course we use some modalities and we try to put our best foot forward. Uh, to make sure the athlete has a safe return to play uh, uh, and is able 
the performance is best, but um, I think it's very hard to get modalities and really try to speak on a, on terms to coaches and general managers like, hey, this is the way we're going to decrease everything possible. And I mean, it's a contact sport. Things happen. And the, the best thing to do is when they do happen is have a really good plan. So I think, you know, and like just like you said, sports psych, right? So now a lot of teams are hiring more sports psychologists and, and psychologists just to help players uh, deal with not only football or or their sport, whether it's baseball or hockey, but also deal with outside, the outside world, the pressures, because um, that's really, you know, like you said, uh, a guy like Dennis can, can uh, you know, be out a little bit, and then by the next day he can turn it on. So, you know, there's just every guy is so different, and I think there's some things you just can't measure there. Uh, with a certain modality. So being able to, you know, listen, uh, be there for the player, try to find what motivates him, what gets him going, what makes him uh, work on his environment at the office and away from the office. I I think that's where it's going to start going a little bit more, you know, um, that's really, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to send any vendors or anything like that. We do use that, but it's like, it, you know, that's what I've learned. And, you know, coaches want to know about the guys now. They, you know, for them, certain terms or certain outlooks or certain algorithms, they they don't want to know that. Look, the guy had breakfast this morning. He sleep last night. Like, what's he got for practice? So I think there's a lot of – it's more that, I think. You know, that's where we're going to – okay, we really tried hard, hard, hard to quantify it. Now I think it's going to shift a little bit more. Back and I think we see that there's more uh, psychology of it's more involved. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I think it's just uh, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating, and and this is why I love this world is because it, it is so complex and there's so many, you know, there's there's gaps between all these little things, but those gaps then create opportunities for for errors, you know, between divisions, between departments, between coaches, and and so <laughs> trying to figure out the best way for an organization to, to go forward, I, you know, within their own context. What, what I find fascinating is everyone does the same stuff, so no one stands out. Um, and so how do you eke out that competitive advantage? That's where others want. It's literally why I wrote the book was yeah. if everything's equal, how, where where's the advantage? How do we get it in our context? Because what, what you guys want to do is going to be different to what Carolina does, New England does, all that sort of jazz. but. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you that <laughs> um, I always think about there's a scene in that, that documentary with uh, with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and Bill's talking about he gets on the plane after a game and all the analysts on their computers trying to, you know, analyse the game and he walks on and he goes, lads, we couldn't tackle. <laughs> Wait, that's it. <laughs> right? We lost because we couldn't tackle. (laughs) And as a coach, I was like, oh, thank you, Bill. That's amazing. (laughs) I don't care about anything else. We couldn't tackle. It's as simple as that. (laughs) Yeah, and I think – and that's what I mean. I think we we, uh, try to keep it simple uh, here. Uh, You know, common language, keep it simple, and in the end, you know, keep the player in the middle and focus on football instead of just – extrapolating and all kinds of different things, you know, we can do this down here and we can look at players and put our best foot forward in regards to, pro, you know, can he, 
can we improve his movement? Can we improve his strength? Can we improve kinetic chain? You know, we can go into all of that, and we do. But it, it, the important thing is when you're taking it upstairs, it's players at the center. If we listen to them, uh, what are the players' main concerns? What are his fears? And how can we alleviate that? And how can we promote a safe return of play and a safe environment for him? Mm-hmm. And I think that takes away a lot of the uh, noise. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Yeah, absolutely. What have you learned over this period with, with the shutdown and virtual about your discipline and your leadership and, and, and connecting with players where you don't get to, you know, you're sitting in your office right now as, as we talk, but it's a, it's a vacant office. Yes. Uh, uh, what's, uh, how have you guys addressed that and, and what have you learned about what it, you do through that process? Yeah, I think for, you know, for us, uh, you know, the, the younger player lives on, on his phone and on his, on his iPad and he's, he's already been connecting FaceTime and, and all those things that he's done, you know, lately. Uh, so for us, uh, a little older generation, uh, I think it's, it's more us getting trained to it, you know. Uh, but no, I, I think it's the same thing. I think it's uh, whether it's a phone call, a FaceTime, obviously to see the face and, and uh, Zoom or, or Teamworks, anything just to be able to talk and, and uh, see the person's face see inside their homes and, and being able to, you know, whether to talk to them, talk to their wife or talk to uh, their kids if they have something going on. So I think, you know, the connection is still the same. It's just instead of face-to-face now you're going through a medium but uh you know in this uh interesting time i think you got to be patient and you got to be flexible i think for me it's just to stay calm and report the information uh that we get from our doctors and all the experts and and uh, be flexible in the fact that yes the information over the last eight 12 weeks can change daily Mm -hmm. and um so it's to try to be flexible with that. So sometimes the best laid out plans for a safe, you know, return to the facility or to sport or like you got to be able to uh, listen to a a variety of very good opinions. And then after that, be flexible with them and and explain that at different levels of the organization. And I think that being on a number of committees now and, and uh, trying to help, um, you know, return to normalcy. I think that's, that's the main thing is to, you know, have some flexibility in your plan because (laughs) as we've learned, there's a ton of information and uh, it can change daily. So uh, I think uh, my job is just to try to, in these times, just to try to bring a, I think a sense of togetherness, you know, uh, that, you know, Hey, let's try to communicate. Let's try to all get on, on page, whether it's once a week uh, for updates. And I think we've done, pretty good job here at all levels to always uh, communicate to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That flexibility and adaptability, I think is so key, you know, like even just thinking through some of the conversations I've had where people just have ups and downs. They wouldn't ordinarily have just going through something like this. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a scary time. There's, there's people worried about things they've never been worried about. And so, to, you know, particularly in athletics, there's this idea of well, they should always be motivated. They've always got to do their, you know, and they live in this kind of you know, rigid world, do this, do this, do this, do this. And, and now 
you've introduced a huge sense of uncertainty yeah. into their lives. And oh yeah, you know, and it, that's got to be factored in. And and some players, it, like the reality is, some players are not going to want to come back and play right away, or they might be worried about getting an injection or you know, for a, a vaccine even, like, you know, and so you've, you've now got all these really human things that are really natural yep. um, to be fearful of, of, of something like this. Uh, whereas we just think about, oh, oh, like hard football players, like men. It's like, no, 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 no. They're human beings. And they, they have kids at the house and, and their wives or girlfriend and, and it's important and they're folks. And so, it, yeah, just like us, they have same fears, the same uh, thing. You know, we see them on uh, on Sunday, these uh, huge gladiators. But, uh, you know, we uh, I think it's easy for us to forget that, uh, yeah, they're just like us. And uh, they, they have the same fears and the same uh, uh, will to protect uh, their parents, their grandparents, or, uh, their, their kids. So it's, it's important to relate to them that way or else, you know, you're not – you're going to lose it. You know, it's not just about uh, ball, ball, ball all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned outside of your world? Have you watched something on Netflix, something random pop up? Have you been down a Wikipedia hole? What's something that's kind of bizarre? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Lion King because I think everybody's uh, talking about that. So I'm, I'll – did I watch it? Yes, but I won't talk about it. <laughs> um, no, to be, uh, to be honest with you, we're so – you know, we're so consumed by a time at the office and our job and take care of, you know, 90 players and, and take care of 20 some coaches. And, you know, uh, so it's very busy, get very hectic and the, the season is so hard and now there's not really much of an off season. And, um, so I think my thing that I enjoy the most is really just to get to know my kids, man. Like that's a, uh, my son's uh, almost going to be, is going to be 15 next week and uh 15 he can, he can start taking driving lessons <laughs> what and my daughter is 12 and and so you know they change so much it's so much fun just sitting with them going for a walk with them hanging out um whether we're going bowling whether we're painting because my daughter likes to paint so the three of us will paint or a paint class or we'll go bowling or we'll, we'll play a video games together or or uh, they're both uh, black belt and karate. So getting to know their discipline and being with them and or encouraging them at school. And, and it's, it's so much fun just to be with them and get to, get to know them, you know, because every day when you're a teenager is a different day. <laughs> so yeah, no kidding. I, I love that. And so I don't have much free time, but spending my time with them is just, man, that's it. Re energizes me and it, puts my focus right because uh, I certainly would not um, – my parents are so uh, giving and loving towards me. And, um, you know, if, if my kids, uh, when they're my age, can turn around and say, hey, you know, that was okay, man. That gave me a lot of love. Then, then I did my job. I think, uh, you know, we – yeah, I do have hobbies. I do love – cooking and do different things, but man, there's nothing like spending the time with my kids right now because it's a, uh, it's a wonderful time. And before they go to college, man, I just want to them to remember that, uh, 
you know, whether we were on lockdown for eight to 12 weeks or whether it was just a regular day for us, we spent a lot of time together and we did have a good time. And I was able to get to know them and help them in anything they need. You know, that's really my focus is listening to them and, uh, and trying to, to have fun with them and trying to help them when it's, they, they have a, a challenge or something that's coming up, you know, so. That's cool. uh, no big, uh, no big Lion King <laughs> story. <laughs> no, no crazy thing. But yeah, what, of course. What, what video game are you getting schooled in? Then that's the question. Yeah, no, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no question. I'm still uh, 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 a lot of Mario Kart right now. That we're trying to. I'm trying my best, man. I'm trying for the three of us to pick the same cars and pick the same tires, so we have. A, I have a chance because if they do their own thing and. You know, uh, yeah, I get schooled pretty good, but it's a lot of fun. That's actually a lot of fun spending time with them and and, uh, getting to know them, getting to know their friends and and playing online with their friends too. Those types of things, you know, like I said, kids are great. They they know all this technology, you know. I think my kids are really enjoying remote school because they can be in their PJs in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So for us, it's more of a trauma of like, oh, wow, you're not going to school. But for them, I think talking to their friends, playing games online, having them FaceTime and, and doing other things, whether it's their homework or like, it's amazing how they can adapt. You know, I think it's a bigger thing for us, but yeah, uh, I, I agree, man. I, I think it, we've got it in our head that like this generation coming up, don't communicate. That is absolute rubbish. They do. It's just different and it's yeah. in, through different forms. And like you said, it's, it's playing a, a video game online. Yep. That's they're still communicating, whether it's you know they're actually got the headset on, but it's it's a form of communication, and yeah, I think we need to open our minds, not them. Yeah, and they you know, and in certain games, there's a chat room in there. You can go in there. Uh, I mean, I'm with them in some of those things. And, oh, I bet. <laughs> it, you know, that's a lot of fun, and they're Facetime, and there's three, four, you know, they're Zoom call in, you know, and they're playing games at the same time. I mean, it's it's uh, it's hysteria. You know, but it's fun to see that, yeah, for them, they're still connecting and uh, kind of like what we're doing right now. So it's just we're not used to that. I guess I it would be remiss of me not to ask you who, which character you choose on Mario Kart. And maybe that's going to be my new wrap-up question for the – Yeah. The, you, you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ask everyone that now. Yeah, I think that uh, I'll, I usually do my first set of, uh, of eight races – we'll go into eight to 12 tournament races. My first set's usually with Donkey Kong because he's kind of, yeah. he's more of a robust guy. He yeah. likes physical contact. And then my second set usually is go ba- Baby Luigi. <laughs> I think yeah, he's a little faster guy. Yeah. Uh, jovial, fun. Uh, I think that's where we uh, we go at it. My my daughter usually picks Toad because he's a cheerful, cheerful uh, character. My son king boo or something like that you know like so we have a lot of fun with it <laughs> can't believe that's what we're talking about but i love it <laughs> uh, this is a game changer for me because i think that's a question that most people can answer so i think i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna start asking <laughs> that <laughs> i'm more of a i'm more of a, a, a yoshi or luigi kind of guy yeah there you go <laughs> but, <laughs> that's awesome man uh Mate, really appreciate this. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Uh, I know you're, you're super busy and it's a, it's a Friday and you've got a ton of meetings. So appreciate you jumping on. And like I said at the top of the show, like it's probably about time that we record one of these, but 
man, I, I love talking to you. I love your perspective. I love uh, jamming on ideas with you and, and uh, having you teach me as well. So thank you for that, mate. Well, thank you, man. I'm very, very humbled and uh, I appreciate your time and uh, our, always our conversations are always so good. So uh, always available if people want to email in and, uh, and talk. Uh, I, I love talking about what we do and, and uh, the way we do it and the people we are. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to follow along? Yeah, I think uh, I'm on LinkedIn and that's probably the best way or just uh, email in to, to me at the Falcons at mlozon at falcons.nfl.com. Um, I don't, uh, that's probably the best way. And on LinkedIn, just to post if they have any questions, you know, I like to, I like to reply and, and it's, a, it's a good way for me to, to engage with uh, other professionals or people that have questions. Good stuff, Monty. Thanks, mate. All right, man. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend.